Blog Talk Radio. Heavy metal, the way it was meant to be.
All right, I figured we'd kick things off tonight with a little rise and force. That was Yngwie Malmsteen on guitar and Jeff Scott Soto on vocals. I was able to talk to Jeff the other day from the road of the Trans-Siberian Orchestra tour. And we'll get that interview on a little later. Uh, we were all supposed to have Marcy Free on tonight, uh, but she couldn't make it last minute, so we'll reschedule that for next year. And Tommy, I believe you're on the line. Hey, bro. How's it going? What's going on? It looks like we lost Marcy Free twice this month. Oh, well. What are you going to do, right? It's a confused individual. <laughs> it's very, very. You know, actually, she was supposed to be on last week, but I, I, I bumped up when we got uh, oh, Dave Lombardo okay. from Slayer on to right. this week. So maybe it's a little payback. Maybe it's just she was busy. I don't know. We'll see. But, you know, I had to, you know, Marcy Free, Unruly Child, Dave Lombardo, Slayer, you know, I had to weigh it. Yeah, it's a hard choice, but yeah. I think well, you'd make the right one. <laughs> when was Slayer? Then again, who knows? I really want Those two guys weren't too talkative last week. So, yeah, it was kind of. But you, but you never know. But we'll we'll try it next year. We'll we'll uh, we'll have Marcy on one day or another. Exactly. But I was able to speak with Jeff Scott Soto, lead singer for uh, Rise and Force and Talisman, yeah. and Axel Rudy Pell wow. uh, the other day from uh, the TSO tour. He's out with Trans Siberian Orchestra wow, on the Christmas tour. So we'll get that interview on tonight. So we're we're not leaving anybody empty-handed here today. That's cool, man. All right. So what's going on there? Not too much, really. You know. Yeah, I hear you. I hear a couple you. of Christmas parties this week, you know. So sure, little, it's that time of year. I'm a little burnt out, but uh, like, you know, as you get older, it's it's hard to eat and drink, though. Yeah, it catches up to you after a while. It, it does catch up to you. I know. I know. But anyways, but I'm here for the metal. That's all that matters. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be here for the metal, because I don't know if you saw, but BTR is forcing everybody oh, uh, so, uh, to pay for a premium account. Oh, or they're cutting you down to a 30-minute show a day with only three music uploads. So there's really not much, you know, you could do with that. I mean, for music shows or talk shows, I mean, you know, most of the talk shows on her are at least an hour long. Yeah. So it kind of affects them. Are those people willing to pay, you know, even the discounted rate of $30 a month? Is anybody going to pay that just to talk for an hour once a week, twice right. a week? Or, right. You know, with us with the music, you know, we you know, we're not we can't do a show with three songs. <laughs> the intro is one song right there. Really? So I, I don't know what's going on. I'm actually looking for a few of the, a few uh, sponsors for the people that I always promote and advertise on here. I'm looking to see if they're willing to sponsor the show. And then maybe I think I'll roll that money into it and, you know, use that to pay for it for now. That could help. find a better option. But uh, I, I told everybody I've been talking to this week, uh, try that talkshoe.com. It's, t- you know, talk, S-H-O-E, yeah. like shoe. But it's supposed to be show. Like, it's supposed to be said the way, uh, uh, what's his name said it? Uh, oh, my God, I forgot his name. <laughs> Ed Sullivan. Oh, like talk show, like when you say talk show, it's supposed to be right, like that. Right, right, right. It's very similar to Block Talk Radio. Uh, they give you a phone number you dial into over there, and everybody wants to talk to you during the show could dial into that phone number. So it would work for guests, like if you had guests calling, you have to give them that number, and they can call in. And you can't play music, and the sound quality is a million times better than here. I just can't figure out how to do the music. I've read all the tutorials. I've downloaded all these programs. I just cannot get them to work. I, I, I can for the life of me I can't figure out why any site who's trying to get people to go to use them will not just give you like a step by step instructions on how to do it. It's yeah. you know, go to this page for a YouTube video on it, which never makes sense. It doesn't right. work the way it's just write down in black and white. Step you know, step one, download this, step two, click that button. Make it simple for people and, and you'd have uh, <laughs> so much easier to use. They just never do that. They make everything as a simple procedure to make as complicated as possible without telling you how to do it. Well, it's hard to. Geez, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, I did this. I did a test show this week just with the, you know, just by talking. 
Right. It sounds great, but I can't get the music to play the right way. So there was one or two hosts I saw in there who used to be here on Block Talk Radio, I mean, like a couple of years ago. Right. So I sent them emails, asked if they could explain to me, you know, just, you know, step by step how they do the music part of it. So, so I can do that. And uh, you know what? It, it gives you a widget to put on a, a website so people can play it. It saves all your archives, and it's free. For now. Uh, for <laughs> now. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure they got some packages coming in the future. But, like, I, I, I sent an email today to Block Talk where I said, you know, I don't mind paying $30 a month if I was getting, you know, like 128 quality sound, you know. Yeah. And they said, that's what we're working on right now. We can't give you a release date, basically, I guess. But we are working on that, and it will be available. So... I don't know. I'll see. If I get a few sponsors, you know, I'll make them pay for it for a few months, and uh, and we'll see how it goes. What was that other one, bud? Show? What's this? I talk sh- it's called Talk Show. Like, I can show you wearing your foot, you spell it. Right. But it's pronounced Talk Show. It's supposed to be like the way I saw I never got the, I never got that. People are, are reading it. They're going to say Talk Show. They're not going to say, oh, that's what Ed Sullivan was saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How that, many people but, even know who Ed, I remember yeah, Ed Sullivan. Ed Sullivan is? But it, it's a good site. It's quick and yeah. easy to use. But for music, there's a few. You know what it is? Like any 10-year-old kid will look at it, and they'll have it working in five minutes. I can't figure these things out. Yeah, we're just not computer literate. <laughs> yeah, I got to get one of my my 8-year-old nephews in here. They're coming for Christmas, man. <laughs> get them to go down there and figure it out for me. Maybe they can figure it out. <laughs> yeah, but if you're doing just a strictly talk show, you're better off going over there. It's free. You could do two hours, and there's no limitations, I believe. I mean, you could do like 10 shows a day. You could talk as much as you want seven days a week. So for a talk show, go over there and do that. You know, if you... And if you want to play music, you can actually play music like off your computer, and it would pick it up through your phone. It's not the greatest sound, but it's no worse than we're doing here on BTR. So right, right. You could also do that too. So what the hell? But if I do figure it out, I'll let everybody know. If not, I mean, I'm gonna stay here. I'll take the you know that one month free, and we'll, you know we'll extend it a little longer until I can figure something else out. But, and when is that da- that deadline to go? Uh... You have to sign up by the end of the year to get the. The twenty nine ninety nine package. Right. If you wait till January first, it goes back up to forty dollars a month. Hmm. And uh, you get the one month free. Uh, it, it, it's always been like that. You buy one month, get one free. Like you know, seven right. months free, whatever. Right. But uh, I, you know, I'll sign up for it. You know, at the end of the year. But uh, it's taking effect in February. Like, I went on this morning to go get the show ready, and all my uploads were gone. It has sixteen pages of music. They were all gone. There was only two pages on there. Oh man. Everything was deleted. I was lucky that three or four of the songs from today's show were still on there. And I uploaded a few more, but they just went and started deleting everybody's music off their sites without even telling anybody, which is oh, even wow. worse. Yeah, and a lot of that stuff is, you know, stuff you can't get back. I mean, I, was, I saved, like, all my uh, promos and stuff like that, you know, on, on, a, on a file. Sure. But a lot of people didn't save it. Like, they uploaded it, and they, you know, left they it. Leave they it left on a lot of yeah, files. They figured they could leave it, right? Yeah. But uh, <sighs> we'll see what happens. We'll still be on here at least till February. Then we'll figure out what the hell we're going to do by then. So we'll worry about it then. That's it. Take it all right. uh, as it comes. That's all. But enough jibber jab. I have some music. All right. All right. How about a little Tokyo Blade about to come out with a new record in 2011? We'll go back to the old days. This is a song called Break the Chain. <laughs>
Tokyo Blade off the first record with Break the Chains uh, has our Marshawn vocals there. See, I saw you were saying that all your files were up there. Do you have more than three pages of files? Yeah, I have just three pages. Oh, that's why. They won't let you have more than three right now. Oh, okay. That's it, yeah. I have like 16 pages, you know, because... Uh, I you know, I I like uh, try to get a sure. couple of shows ahead with some of the uploads, so sure, I'm not sitting all day. Wow! But uh, that that killed me. And now with only three songs, like I told, like I was talking to Alex. I told Alex, says, you know, do your show for a half hour, and if you want to, you know, go over in the podcast, you can just go over, because more people listen to the show later on than live anyway for most shows here. Yeah. So you can do that, and the same thing with the three songs, which you do, which is just uh, you get like audacity, and just blend three songs together. And then upload it as once. You get like three songs right there. So you can have like nine songs and an upload, ten songs and an upload. Oh, okay. That sounds You can just idea. string a few together, like, you know, we'll make them bleed into each other. And then, because like, uh, Alex plays like three or four songs in a row before he does some talking. So you can put them all to one, one MP3 and just upload one single MP3 and let them play. That's a good idea. Yeah, you know, there's ways of getting around some things, but not all things. The half hour, I think, is the big killer for most people. Wow. Sometimes we wait a half hour for a guest to call in. <laughs> if they call in at all. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but you know what? We can't keep talking about that. It is what it is. We got these last couple of years out of them for free, so. Yeah. You had to see the writing on the wall when the first premium package came out. You know, you knew it was only a matter of time. Right. So, what are you going to do, right? Move That's on, right. baby. There's That's it. Go. That's all always you can do. You either pay and play or you go somewhere else. That's it. There's got to be someplace else for now. There's a lot of places fun. out there. You know, I mean, like, music-wise for us is Live 365, but you got to, like, upload all these programs, and you got to do it the way Alex kind of does it with his thing on Listen to My Radio. That's a pain. I get mad. It's a pain in the ass. There's nothing easier than Block Talk Radio. They give you a phone number to dial into. They give the guest a phone number. Yeah. You know, uh, and you just upload the music, and, and you just play it, you know. It's real simple. You don't have to do all that other shit, you know. There's other sites. The servers are constantly going down. There's always problems. Not that there's no problems here either. I mean, it's just... It's the internet. It's going to happen no matter where you are. You know, it's technology. Yeah, I guess you're right. But this is so simple to use, and I've got so many contacts with record companies and PR people that are all related to this show and this number. I don't feel like changing it and going through all that again, explaining I'm somewhere different now and changing all my sites. Around. I'm just too damn lazy. Wow. So I'm sure I'll get a couple of sponsors this week. Uh, my wife uh, made up a letter and fired them out to a whole bunch of places, and uh, I'll get them to pay for it. For now, that's what we'll have to do. Yeah, I'll get them to pay. Get them to kick in some money each week for all the promoting advertising I do for them. You know, and I, all I ever ask for is like a link exchange. Let them, you know, kick in a you know, five, ten dollars a month and, and we'll put it towards that. That'll work for now. Yeah, it'll work. It'll take care of it. All right, well, how about we do our demolition segment demo? We get that over with. We get that out of the way. All right. And uh, let me see who we got tonight. It's a band called Chalice. They're out of San Diego, California. I barely remember these guys. I got off of Strapato. Uh, he's got a great site, and I, I got it from there. And uh, I believe they only had this one demo out in 1985, and it was just the first demo tape. But they were a solid band. This is actually a pretty good sound on tape. Uh, I have all the songs uploaded. Let me see which one I'm going to get on for you. It's not going to be Reincarnation. Uh, let me see here. You know what? I don't even know which one I should get on. Which one should I get on? I don't know. I don't know the names. I, I don't know what you're talking I don't know what <laughs> I choices. Know. Give me some I know. choices. Here's the choice. It's heavier than metal. Okay. Heavier than metal or heavier than metal. That's the only one I uploaded. Uh, with somebody how else. about heavier than metal? That sounds good to me. There <laughs> <laughs> you go. <laughs>
that was Chalice. I, I, in other words, I uploaded so many things this morning so quickly just to get them back on again. It didn't yeah. sound familiar when I did it because originally I was going to play the song Reincarnation, but then I went with that one. So. Oh, okay. That's why I got a little confused there. But that is Chalice. That's our demolition segment demo. It's their tape from 1985 at the block spot right now. You can download a copy of it. So go and grab it. It's some pretty good stuff, and it actually held up pretty well over the years. Nice stuff there. I tell you, everything's going haywire. Even MySpace. MySpace, I, mean, I know it sucks now. I don't think anybody even uses it anymore. I still go on there to change it every week, you know, with the you know, the new shit for the show for the week. But uh, yeah. every time I go on there, they keep making it where you can't post this here, you can't put that there anymore, you can't use HTML. I said, like, all day redesigning it. I said, what the hell am I even doing this for? Like, <laughs> like five people a week actually go on there and look at it. Why even bother? I just left it alone. Yeah, you got most of the people through Facebook, right? Uh, not really. Not not, not really. Uh, most of the people come through uh, the blog spot. Oh. Well, they come through the, what do you call it, um, uh, the other, the official site that I have for the show. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I get them through one, you know, one or the other over there. But very few people come through MySpace at all anymore. And, and Facebook, I don't really even use to promote the show. It's just that uh, Block Talk Radio sends, like, you know, that when when you post a new show, uh, create a new show, they send it to, like, Facebook, like, like an update. Oh, I see. Yeah, they're like the only one. Then I got that page on there that I put the new show on each week, but I don't really do much on Facebook. It's another thing that's, uh, you know, time for all that shit. Well, it was uh, to my Farmville. I hear you, bro. <laughs> that's it. All right, but that was Chalice. Let me see. Uh, I have something up next. Let me see if that was still on here. So, yeah, I was able to get that on. Let me just take one quick look a minute. Looks like I got most of the stuff that I wanted to play on today. I'm missing a few. But uh, since Moss is not calling in today, uh, maybe we'll get on a couple of uh, new songs that we're going to do next week in the end review show. That way we can get them, get them all on because there's so many uh, albums this year. We can't do it all on a two-hour show. So maybe we'll get a few on today and kick things off towards the end here. Okay. How does that sound? Sounds good, man. All right. I'm going to send you a couple of blue pills. I'll cheer you right up. Don't worry about it. <laughs> all right. How about, we, uh, how about we do a little Sweet Cheetah? The song is called Secret Passenger.
started out with a little sweet cheater over there with the song Secret Passenger. They followed up with the Bad Brains out of Washington, D.C., then later on New York. Great band with the Right Brigade. And we'll get our interview with Jeff Scott Soto on in about five minutes or so. Maybe do one more song before then. Hey, you awake? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I want to make sure you fall asleep there. <laughs> no, 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 no. All right. We well, you know what time it is. It's time for our CallsMetal.com song of the every other week because we do the song uh, bi-monthly. And uh, let me see what Carl sent me this week. This week at a band called Ariok out of uh, Long Island, New York. Oh, so we've got some fellow New Yorkers uh, here. They don't sound familiar, those guys. Ariok. Ariok. It's A-R-I-O-C-H. Uh, probably pronounced it wrong. Ariok. Mm. Hmm, not too sure, but let's see what Carl has to say about this. And uh, this week's metal track playing on the homepage at callsmetal.com is Infernal Dynasty by New York City's Ari Rock, a killer band that unfortunately never took off. They only recorded two demos in 89 and 90. Luckily for us, they have been remastered by guitarist Joe Marcel himself and recently released on one disc through Retrospect Records. And after a little hiatus, the classic metal review by Bruce Wanzi is back. Check out Bruce's full Ariok review. Lord Ariok Beckons is the title of it. So go over to callsmetal.com. That's call with a K. And the links are right here. And Carl gives us a song every other week to play that he's featuring on his site. Excellent. So let's uh, hear how this sounds. It doesn't sound familiar, but uh, I didn't even play it. I figured I'd wait till today to hear it and see how it sounds. Okay, cool. Right, here you go. This is Ariok, Infernal Dynasty, brought to you by CarlsMetal.com. <laughs>
pretty good. Some classic power metal there. I, I enjoyed that. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it's old school. I believe it's from, like you said, the late 80s, early 90s. So those guys kind of hit the scene, you know, when it was kind of dying out. But you can read the whole review over at callsmetal.com. It's got a great website. Go and check it out. Okay. All right. Let me see. Uh, how about we do our Jeff Scott Soto interview? You want to get to that? I'm interested, man. Are you? I am really interested in hearing this. All right. You're the only one. Because <laughs> <laughs> you heard it already. What? That's because you heard it already. Nah, <laughs> Jeff was a good guy. He was a nice guy to talk to. We'll get that one on right now. So sit back, relax, enjoy. It's about 20 minutes long. Here's my interview with Jeff Scott Soto from, I think, yesterday the day before. Hello? Uh, Jeff, it's Mike from Heavy Metal Mayhem. Hey, what's happening, man? How are you? It's great to talk to you today, buddy. Right on, man. Thanks for calling. I appreciate you. I know you're real busy. I know this is probably the busiest time of year for you, but uh, how's everything going out there with TSO so far this year? Yeah, it's going great, man. It's uh, aside of a little cold I had last week, and I finally shook that off. It's uh, going wonderful. That's great. And uh, you, you got involved with the band a, a few years back. How did it come about hooking up with the Trans-Siberian? Well, I've known uh, the musical director and one of the founding members here, uh, Alpha Charlie, for about 20 years, better wow. part of 20 years. And um, it's one of those things where we, we've been friends for so long and said, hey, we got to do something together sometime. And one of those things just happened to be TSO. You know, he's been working with these guys since the inception. And uh, and somewhere along the way, my voice kind of, my, my, my name came up and my voice kind of fit in there. And, and here I am, three years later, still working with him and going strong. That's a great thing. And Al's, Al's an amazing guitar player. I mean, I he's got to be probably the most underrated guitarist and musician out there. He doesn't get... You know the credit he deserves for what he's accomplished from sabotage, TSO, and everything else he's done. He's just an amazing, amazing musician. Well, that's the thing. A lot of his peers, you know, a lot of the other guitar players know who he is, and and a lot of people respect him in that sense. And you're right; he's not a household name, so to speak. But uh, he's he's comfortable where he is now, and uh, the whole TSO umbrella is something that he's been able to build from the ground up with these guys and with Paul O'Neill, of course. And um, he's he's quite content where he is right now. He doesn't doesn't need to be chasing the household name and the uh, the guitar hero type of thing. He realizes that his role here is is the most important thing in his life right now, and he's just going to carry that on. And and you know it's it's just one of those things. It's it's, it's a crapshoot that that uh, people get to know who you are in a big way, and and if that doesn't happen, at least your peers understand who you are and what you do. That that's so true, and you know. The Translate Beer in Orchestra, it's just become this, like the steamroller over the last, you know, 10 years. It's, it's, it's one of the constants, actually, in music today with such a change in, you know, environment, the market, that every year you can count on a tour and, and it sells out. And that's got to be a great feeling, too. Well, that's a, I mean, that's a great feeling, especially for my boss. You know, he's, it's, he's the one that uh, he's putting it all on the line there. And the fact that people come out and they're so loyal and they're, they're able to continue this thing the way they're doing it. And that's why he keeps loyalty the same way with the, keeping the ticket prices low enough that a family of four can all come out. And, and you know, it is Christmas time, and that's, family is the one thing that Christmas should bring together. And something TSO really focuses on is is helping keep families together. You know, this today's society, is, it's all about video games and texting and hanging out with the friends in, in, in a whole different way than when we were growing up. Sure. And there's a lot of separation between families. But TSO, I think helps keep that together because it's it's kind of a rock and roll thing that the kids can still get into 
and and their parents can get into because they you know they especially even grandparents they like the older traditional things and and it's kind of a generational thing that's uh, come together. It's really cool to see. Yeah, that's so true. That's probably one of the few things that kids don't mind going to do with their parents because they both get to see a rock show in a way and Christmas. So it is a great thing, and it's got to keep you busy too. It's, it's the way the way Al puts it. It's uh, you can look out in the audience and you see a teenager with a Megadeth T-shirt, and and right next to him his grandmother sitting with a a reindeer uh, sweater. You know, and, and it's, <laughs> it's just a strange sight to see. It's kind of Kind of like what, what carnival are we at? But it's uh, it's something that really works and it it's, it transcends to different generations and different audiences. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I love the show. I try to catch it almost every year, and uh, it, it's a great thing. And but you also got the sprint tour too. You did this year. Is that going to be something that's going to keep going on? Yeah, you know, it, it was an experiment, uh, something that they've been working on and, and talking about for the past nine years, and they finally. Um, they finally put it out there this year as a kind of a little experiment, and it did really well. So we're expanding upon it next year, and we're going to be uh, we're going to be doing it again next spring, and in, in, uh, in, in a bigger way. In, in other words, uh, more cities and, and more territories that we didn't get to hit this this year. Uh, that'll be and fantastic. Starting out in Europe too, with it, which is another first for TFO that never played in Europe, and the fact that we're bringing it out to Europe in the beginning of the spring tour is, is really exciting for them. It's great that you're going to get over to Europe. I, I'm upset because we're going to lose you over there because we don't get to see anybody here in America anymore. The, the market is, you know, is really kind of horrendous sometimes. And I would love to see you come around and hear all your solo stuff and from all the other bands that you do. We don't get to see you, you know, solo anymore. That's and that's the shame of it. Not as often. And, as and, you know, sure. I, I miss it too. I, I miss the idea of doing the U.S. because I mean, this is my home country. This is where you know, this is where I live. This is where it all started. But Unfortunately, there's not enough generated rock audiences to, to be able to. I mean, the, the states are so huge. Europe is so much more compact. You can yeah. you can get from one one country to the next the same way we drive from one city to the next, and it's uh, it's so much more accessible to get the amount of people that you need to make a, a tour successful out there sure. than out here. I mean, I tried it back in 2007, and everything was so spread out, and there just wasn't enough. You you can't get enough people from one particular area to, to make it worth your while unless you're, you know, unless you're a superstar band, unless you have the, the, uh, the effects of radio and, and, and TV and all that stuff. And I, I never really had that growing up in my career. So it's unfortunate I can't even tour the States. It, it is. It's like you said, if you came here to New York, you know, you'll have maybe 100 people in the city that'll come see you, and there's 100 up in Buffalo and 100 here, and exactly. nobody will travel eight hours for a show, and it's not feasible to really go to all these, you know, eight places in one state. You know, it's just, and that's a shame of it all, but it's exactly it and, and it's, it seems like the uh, the rock fans, even in Europe and South America, they're, they're, I mean, they're our age when we started listening to this music, you know, when we were 18, 19, 20, 20 even 25, they're, they're that age now listening to our stuff, you know, from 25 years ago. And it's crazy to see how that's transcended over to younger audiences where, a lot of the stuff that we were listening to growing up basically only catered to people in our age group. Yeah. You know, the kids that are, that are 18, 19, they look at our music as classic rock or, or dad's music. <laughs> I know. It's so weird. It's how it transcends out there. And, and that's another reason why it makes it easier to be able to tour in Europe and, and South America, for instance, because you know you're going to be able to get the older fans, but a lot of the newer fans are going to come along. You really have a mixed-up audience. I know. I mean, it's great for you guys that you, you can still get that accomplished over there. And I know South America is actually a bigger market than most people think, especially down in, like, Brazil and in that area. It's like diehard down there. Yeah, you get a band like Iron Maiden has been around for, you know, 30 years or whatever. 
they go down there and they clean up, and most of their audiences are like sixteen to nineteen year old kids. It's crazy. I know, I know. That has a lot to do with these video games today because they're putting all these rock songs on video games. Kids are hearing them. And, and, and they're getting into it, which is a, it's a good thing in a way because it brings more attention to you and other people from my generation that's getting a, a you know a good boost from the youth. Absolutely, I, I totally agree, and, and that's and that's one of the, the good things about technology. I mean, uh, the, one of the bad things, obviously, with the downloading and people yeah. basically losing money and, and record companies basically losing their shirts because people are getting the music for free now, and and this is file sharing and an MP3 that's so easy to get, you, you could send an album across the internet in, in the course of a few minutes where. Back in the day, you have to send it by mail. You have to, you know, you have to order it. Everything was—it's a completely different world where everything's evolved into what we're doing now. But there are some of the benefits of the, the new digital age that are definitely helping out, and and where maybe we were kind of stuck in a rut ten years ago. It's, it's kind of adding to the, uh, uh, I guess, to the promotion of some of these bands. It's kind of cool. Yeah, cause it's just instantaneous. People can get it right away. But for somebody like myself, you know, I love to have the package in my hand, especially the old vinyl record. I'm still a vinyl nut. You know, there's nothing like opening up that thing and seeing pictures and a lyric sheet and you know, a story about. Like, it's nothing like that. That's the thing. We're old school. You know, we're, yeah. we're not, we, we come from the age of uh, of holding something and actually having a product and having having something that we can actually collect. We we love to collect stuff. And today, it's it's all about the, the immediate satisfaction of hearing the song and not really even caring to see a picture or, or to see any of the details of how that was made and who, who was involved in, in mixing. I mean, I, I, have a, I have a brain full of all, all this worthless information of, of who the executive producers were and yeah. the engineers were and all this stuff because this this is what we did, you know. Yeah, we exactly. We into the product. We read every word, every, yep. every credit and, and every... <laughs> Every thank you and every endorsement and all that stuff. We exactly. That stuff. I know. The age of the rock star is even gone. I mean, you, you tell me one new modern band today that people can name all four or five members of the band. It's impossible. I, I, it's it's so true. When we were kids, we knew who Geezer Butler was. We knew Bill Ward was. We knew Alex Van Halen and Michael Anthony were. Because yep. We were interested in all the guys in the band. It's true, and, and it's so funny because, like I said, we had nothing back then. There was no computer to go look things up on. There was very few magazines that featured, you know, any, anybody outside of Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath. And we always signed out on our own, going through your local record store. You know, you spoke to the owner and the people that worked there. And today, the kids can't figure that out with all the stuff on the Internet. Yeah, exactly. I mean, another another thing, just the same thing. I, I look at some of the, uh, the younger people that are part of TSO, and... They have no. They don't even know the names of most of the bands and the the, uh, the people they listen to, or the names of the artists. They just know the songs. And it's like, you know, where's the uh, where's that personal connection that people had with artists and music that they used to have? Because it's it's such a it's such a here today gone today type of thing that it's uh, it's not what it used to be. It's, it's kind of sad in some cases, but in other ways, it's it's kind of cool that we at least have what we have to, to grasp on and hold on to, and maybe can. Somehow, trans, you know, uh, transfer some of that information to people and say, "Hey, this is the way it should be," and kind of, kind of get it back on track. Definitely, and one of the things that we should transfer is you have a brand new live record coming. I'm not to forget about that uh, from the Fly Fest in 2008. Well, you know, that was that was something that was more of a, a, a record obligation that I owed. I owed Frontiers. I mean, they had the right to release this thing, and and I released a live album last year, but. The difference between the, the two albums, it was two different lineups in the band. And the new band had a little more dynamic range to a lot of my newer material than the older band. 
But the kind of the cool thing is listening to this live album compared to the other one is the it sounds completely different. The, the approach, the way that the songs are uh, portrayed, and the, the, just the way everything is played, it's it's it sounds like two completely different albums. And, and even the music sounds totally different when you have two separate lineups playing it. And that's one of the cool things I liked about the, the fact and the idea of releasing this even so soon after my last live album is that it just it sounds completely different than the other one. Yeah, I, I'm, I know it comes out, I think, next week or the week after, towards the end of the year, and I'm going to get some stuff off it when the, this will be on this Sunday's live show, I'll play something off it, and it's, it's a great sounding album, and, but you've been extremely busy, I mean, throughout your entire career. I mean, between the solo projects, the bands you've played in, the work you've done on the side, is there any one thing that you can look back on that you recorded that never came out that you said, wow, I wish, you know, people could have heard this? Um, man, that's, that's a tough one. I'd have to really put some thought behind that one, but there's a there's a live recording that I, that we did that I did that I was a part of back in 2005 that I absolutely regret that we did, we never got released, and that was uh, with Soul Circus. We did a live DVD at the Fillmore in San Francisco, and it was you know Neil Sean's hometown, and yeah. the the show was amazing. The the crowd was there. The, the, everything about it was great, but because of the demise of Soul Circus and all the money that Neil pumped into it, he didn't want to. He didn't want to pump any more money into something that wasn't going to continue. So this thing just lies dormant right now. We, it, it was filmed, it was uh, recorded, and everything. We just never followed up on it. And that's one of the things I do regret not getting out there because I know Soul Circus wasn't the most successful thing in my career, but there was something about that. There's a click about the band, especially when we played live, that uh, I, I would love people to be able to get into and, and be, you know, to be able to experience. When uh, we only did like a three-week tour of the U.S., we didn't really get to to tap into the, the, every potential that that band had. And this DVD would have given everybody a taste of what they missed. Yeah, that would be, maybe one day it'll come, but the Soul Circus stuff had a really cult following, like underground following. It was, I don't think people expected that, like coming out of Neil Sean. I think it was something different for him. And uh, I thought it was some really good stuff. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that stuff, the, the, a lot of the material was actually stuff he was writing for this Planet Us band that he had with Sammy Hagar. And then Sammy rejoined Van Halen, and, and that thing just basically went belly up. And so I kind of stepped in, and, and Neil had a bunch of, uh, it was like 12 to 15-minute soundtracks. It was it was basically him playing one riff for like 16 bars and just over and over repetitive. You know, repetitive. And then uh, and then it would go into another part for another 18 bars, and there was no real structure to the songs. It was just him jamming over a, uh, over a drum machine. And that's where I listen to the songs and go, okay, well, this sounds like it could work as a verse. And I took another part, this sounds like it could be a chorus. And I, I would throw it in Pro Tools and just kind of, like a jigsaw puzzle, I'd take an 18-minute piece and turn it into a four-minute piece and put some vocals over it. And that's how that whole thing came together. It was, there was no real structure in us sitting down and writing songs. So it's, it's strange how that whole thing came came about. But it was there was kind of magic, especially, like I said, when we played live. The band was just stupid. It was so good. I know. I wish I could have gotten to see you guys play. It's a shame. But, you know, in this business, you can never say never, I guess, because you don't know where you'll be playing tomorrow who you'll be playing with. Things are always possible. Absolutely. So, but, but you, you've been around for a long time, since, since the beginning of this thing, in the, in the late 70s and early 80s. And I mean, I first came into with Ging Vey, and I followed you throughout your career since then. And the Panther was one of my favorite things. <laughs> That's just a personal thing. I, I love that stuff. And, and I go I go back there, but recording today and, and being in the music business today, compared to back then, 
the stuff that goes on in Lost World with technology, where back then, you know, you guys got together in a room, you wrote, you recorded, where today you could be anywhere in the world and put a whole album together with guys from different parts of the country. Right. Well, the, the funny thing is that my band, Talison, we, we had this, uh, we didn't have the disposal of uh, being in the backyard and or being in the same, even the same country, so to speak, when we were writing our albums. And we did this, what bands are doing now today, and, and doing stuff at home and sending the tracks on the internet and all that. We we had to we had to do that back in the early nineties when we, when that band came together. And this is before internet, this is before home recording studios. It was all about uh well we, we have the little four tracks and the little eight tracks that we did on our cassette tapes but but we were doing the same thing. We were faxing each other lyrics, we were sending cassette tapes to where I would write my lyrics and then I'd have to fly to Sweden to put the vocals down. And you know that that was the mentality we were we were utilizing back then, and now it's it's so much easier to do that. But of course, you're missing that magic of of where you get that that personal touch of writing together, and it, it's unfortunate, but that's the way. You know, it's it's kind of a convenience that we have now that we don't have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars and and be away from our families and be away from home for so long to be able to get the work done. And and this, this, we're using the same mentality for this the new project West that I've been working with these two guys from Sweden. But obviously, it's, it's a lot easier to be able to get things done nowadays. And yeah, we can even do writing songwriting sessions on Skype. It's crazy. The technology has changed everything. It's true, and, and it's all right out loud in front of you. But I always wanted sometimes you just lose like that human, you know, touch with it. Hey, can you just change this? Let's tweak that. But I guess, like you said, it's the same thing. It just takes a little longer going back and forth than when somebody's in the room with you. Well, yeah. I mean, even the best part of sitting in a room with somebody is just grabbing a bite to eat, and you you get a you get a personal experience from being with the person that transcends into the into the music, into the songwriting that is completely missing. And there's a, there's a full brick wall in between you when you don't get to you know, have a beer together in the same room when you're creating and when you're actually throwing ideas back at each other. It's more so. Well, this is what I would do to it, so I'm just going to do this and send it along. And then the other person does the same thing, and you, you got to kind of hope for the best doing it that way. Yeah, sure. Well, you were just talking about Wet, and uh, that was something that was put together through Frontier Records. Uh, Serafino from that label was throwing people together and, and seeing what they come up with. Is this something that you think you might be able to take further to like actually a, a torn band and do more with? Or is this... Well, that's what we're discussing now. We're, we're actually working on, uh, we're negotiating, discussing doing a new album, and uh, and obviously we, we want to follow it with a proper tour next time. We, we were supposed to do a tour this year, but one circumstance led to another, and we weren't able to put it together. And as far as I'm concerned, it's kind of a blessing in disguise because the hardest thing to do is go on tour when you only have one album to go from. And uh, if you had two albums to go from, it would be so much better for us instead of having to fill the time with covers and stuff like that. It's, sure. Uh, I think it's, it's going to be so much better that we actually have two records to be able to choose material from when we're playing live. Well, that would be great. And I'm hoping that that project somehow makes it <laughs> to America and to New York because I yeah, don't you know, that's, that's what I'm hoping to do. There was a lot of buzz with that thing. We got a, a great response from both fans and critics. So I think if we can come up with a, a, a second album that's as strong or stronger than the first one, we got something going on here. Oh, that would be fantastic. Hey, any chance of uh, getting Boogie Nights back together? Is that, is that <laughs> you know what? They're still doing their thing. You know, I thought of the whole thing because it was Boogie Nights for me was kind of an escape from the music business when everything went grunge. And, um, you know, I was still doing Talisman and and, uh, and stuff on the side, but I, I just didn't want to. I, I knew going out there and trying to make a living from it was going to be a, a difficult task, so I, 
I joined Boogie Nights to kind of wait it out, wait that period out. And when I left them officially in 2001, you know, that's when I did Rockstar, and you can see the whole resurgence happening with uh, melodic rock and hard rock music. And that's why I started diving back into doing things in a real way again. And, and you know, Boogie Nights was a blessing for me. It made me a lot of money and kind of, kind of kept me going and kept me working and everything. But uh, I had to get back to work. I, you know, I had to put my construction hat back on and, and get back in the trenches. Yeah, the, the 90s were a really rough time for anybody involved in any kind of, you know, traditional classic rock. I mean, it was just a brutal decade, and I'm glad that guys were able to weather it out. And uh, like you said, he came back with Rockstar. As soon as I heard that voice, you know, we know it wasn't Mark Wahlberg, but I was like, damn, he didn't lose anything. Holy cow. <laughs> That's some powerful stuff when people hear that. You know, and uh, a lot of people didn't know who it was until, you know, later on. But, I, you know, I recognized the voice. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> Right on. Well, that's 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 one of my prouder moments, and that's why even today with my live band, I keep I keep stand up and shop somewhere somewhere in the mix of the live set, and, and sometimes we do one of the other two songs that I did on the soundtrack as well, it's just because it's a familiarity, and a lot of people don't even know it's me on there. Yes. But they'll they'll hear the song and go right on. He's doing a he's doing a cover of a Steel Dragon <laughs> song. And they don't realize. Wait a minute, it's not a cover. I sang on that fucking song. I wrote that song. It's mine. <laughs> yeah, that's some good stuff, and that's great. But get back to TSA, which I know. Is it hard to get to the Christmas spirit for like two or three months straight? <laughs> not really, no. Because well, I mean, we're 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 the ones that are kind of injecting the Christmas spirit into people, especially when we're, the tour starts in early November, you got to yeah. remember. Yeah. But because there's so much ground to cover in the U.S., it's, it's impossible for us to do the entire country during the, the two weeks that most people are out of school and, and, and out of work and celebrating Christmas. It's absolutely impossible. So we we have to keep moving it back, back you know, b- before Thanksgiving and basically just after Halloween, we we got to go out there and start singing Merry Christmas. And it, it, it might be difficult for other people to, to get into the Christmas spirit, but I think this is it's becoming a traditional thing where TSO is as soon as the TSO tour begins, that's where the Christmas tradition, the, the Christmas spirit begins. And you go out there and start doing it, you really don't see the lack of uh, of, of people who are looking into it like, wow, this is a bit too early to be starting to sing Merry Christmas and Jingle Bells and all that. But man, we see that whole thing just kind of stir up as soon as we hit the road. That's a great thing. This is, after all these years, does it grind you down the road? Does it ever get tiresome, you know, busting it from place to place? Um, not so much. Uh, it's, I mean, it's gotten to a point where we, we've, we've got it down to a science, and we do a lot of matinees on this tour. I mean, we do a lot of double shows. So for us, the singers, it's, it's a cakewalk, because I'm used to singing 18 to 22 songs a night. With CSO, at, at this point, even my maximum, the amount of songs I'm singing in a set of four per show. You know, to sing four songs in a show is like, it's, it's basically as, as easy as waking up in the morning. It's, it's the other guys that are on the stage that are working their asses off because they're playing every note of every song from beginning to end. And if you're doing almost a, a close to three-hour show twice a day, that's where it's tiring. And then, you know, you forget about what the crew have to do to set up that all that stuff that we got. So those are the guys doing all the real work. As far as we're concerned, we're just going up and singing a song, coming back and having some tea and watching a football game backstage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good. But the, the TSOs alone could tie you up to just half a year between rehearsals and touring, especially with the spring schedule. So it doesn't leave you as much time as you think to do a lot of other projects, but you find the time. Well, at this point, it, it's definitely more time consuming than it was when I first started because now now that we're doing the spring tour, that's going to that's gonna suck up quite a few months 
in the uh, you know, in the early part of the year, and obviously the latter part of the year is it's basically only ten weeks out of my life. So it's, I mean, I'm working on stuff in between. I'm even on days off. I'm working on stuff, or I'm uh, completing some things. So it's, I, I just never stop. To me, it's working on music and doing music is is like breathing. It's it's not something like oh god, I need a break from this. There's no break when. My break is when I sleep or go to the gym, and everything else after that. It's like I'm I'm always consuming my time and wanting to do more things and other things. And actually, even to, to put that, uh, that that kind of topic in, in in another perspective, a lot of my new stuff that I'm working on for the next solo album, the next idea for a solo album, or or who knows if it'll turn into a band, is I'm doing with Petrelli, because the guy's got riffs from hell. The guy's got so many ideas that he hasn't done anything with in years, and he said. Dude, we should get together. We're on the road. We got a, you know, we got a little downtime here and there, and let's see what we come up with. And it might, I don't know if it'll be for my solo album. I don't know if it'll be for a new project with him. But we're going to utilize our time together as well. Oh, whatever it is, that should be great. Because like I said before, Al's a great musician, extremely underrated. I mean, him and the rest of the guys took, you know, it was like you know, Sabotage and other '80s era rock and metal bands that were known to fans but never really gained success, and they turned them into this monster of Trans Siberian Orchestra. And exactly. you got to give them credit for that because they took it to the mainstream. And and, and God bless them, you know, for being able to take when the uh, kind of the demise of, of Sabotage, they were able to, to kind of turn it over into something else that relives a lot of the sabotage material and, and actually they're, they're kind of resurrecting a lot of stuff for the newer albums. Uh, I know it's, it's sacrilegious to a lot of the sabotage fans to hear other people singing the songs and, and reworking material that they already knew of and they're really, really close to. But I look at it as a bonus because there are a lot of people that, like you said, it was more underground. It was more of a cult following for sabotage. As big as they were, they weren't a household name like Metallica or Van Halen. And, and now their music from the past is now going to be it's going to be going to people who've never listened to Sabotage albums in a different way. So it's, it's kind of cool that it's for a new generation. It, it just continues the legacy. It's true. You know, John, people always ask John Oliva you know, about Sabotage, you know, getting back together. And he says, I put millions of dollars into that band over my lifetime, and I never made a dime off it. He says, why would I go to that when I have, you know, CSO? And, you know, it, it's a shame for the fans, but as a business thing, he's 100% right. I mean, you know, that's just the way it is. Yeah, and he's he's staying creative. He's got the uh, you know he's got John Oliver's pain, which yeah. is an outlet that he gets to do what he does. And for the most part, uh, there's a lot of material I think that could have been sabotage material anyway. So if you want to look at it in that perspective, he's he's still doing what he would be doing with sabotage if they were continuing, but it's just under a different name. And he's able to just to, to focus more attention on something like TSO, which is which is actually uh, it's it's a little machine over here. Yeah. It's something that's just constantly coming up with new new material and new albums and, and always going. And it's, you know, a God bless him for it. Without a doubt. You know, Jeff, I'm not going to keep you any longer because I know you're busy with everything you've got going on, shows and interviews, and I probably asked you a hundred of the same questions you've answered over the last <laughs> But I really do appreciate you taking the time out to talk to me today. And the best of luck with the rest of the tour. I'm looking forward to a whole bunch of you next year, 2011. My pleasure, bro. Thanks for calling, and uh, you know, I'm just I'm doing it because I love it, and as long as people are still following it and still listening to it, I continue doing it. I'm glad you do, Jeff. Thank you very much. Happy holidays, and have a merry Christmas this year, and enjoy it with your family. All right, you too, brother. Take care. Thank you. Uh, that was Jeff Scott Soto. He was out in Kansas City that day, uh, getting ready to do a show for uh, the Trans Siberian Orchestra Christmas tour. 
And, you know, Tommy, Jeff is like one of those guys that you can't possibly name all the bands that he's played in. Remarkable. There's right. just, I mean, besides, like, the, the well-known bands that most people would know. Right. I mean, he was the lead singer of Journey old. for, he, he was the lead singer in Journey for a while until they had the fallen out and he left. Yeah. Talisman, uh, Axel Rudy Pell, Yngwie Malmsteen, uh, Panther, the band I talked about. I'm going to get a song on by Panther after this. On top of that, I mean... And but he's performed on hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Yeah, the Japanese um, guitarist. Um, uh, Cooney. Cooney, right? Cooney. He's played with so many people you can't name them all. And uh, and uh, I think it was Metal Sucks, one of those other magazines interviewed him. They called him like a music core because like he's on every album. But you know you gotta you gotta make money. You can't just you know you just can't survive on the royalties of some of your records. So. And he always did a good job. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't just like you know. Join the band just to just to fart it out, you know what I mean? Always gave it his all, and to oh, me, exactly. exactly, always sounded good. He was always the best part of some of those bands, you know what I mean? Yeah, the the, the guy's got a, an amazing voice, and like I, I brought up the Boogie Nights thing to him because uh, back in the, in the in the late nineties there was a disco cover band called Boogie Nights. Really? And I, and he when metal was like starting to fall apart in the nineties, I mean it fell apart earlier than that, but this was like the mid nineties. I think he joined them. Mm-hmm. They did like YMCA and you know, like all the party songs and everything that you usually hear at weddings and stuff. And they did like a lot of corporate events and, and parties and stuff like that. But he made more money doing that than he made ever as a rock star playing in a rock band. Wow. So he goes, you know, he goes, he goes. The music was dead. He goes, I couldn't do anything anywhere. Uh, you know, grunge took over, and then new metal. There was no outlet. Because mm-hmm. I did that, I made a lot of money. He goes, and then uh, I think it was Tom Werner who was the producer for the movie Rockstar mm-hmm. uh, with Mark Wahlberg. Uh, they had worked together earlier. He was telling me, and that uh, you know he gave him he gave him a call saying he needed somebody to do the vocals for Mark Wahlberg's character in the movie, and uh, he hooked up with Zach Wilde and Jeff Pearson, and they uh, they started putting some stuff together. Remarkable. And there you go. So we got Rockstar the movie. And all those vocals, and every time you hear that stand up and shout, that first high pitched squeal, you got like, wow, you know, you get chills because that's just an amazing voice he has. Yeah. I got somebody calling in from your number. Is that you? No, not me. Oh, no, the switchboard is jumping around. I think it's Alex. Let me get Alex on the phone. Okay. Your, your number was there. It jumped to him. Uh, Alex, you there? Yeah, it's me. I got to double check because sometimes Ryan has the same number. We don't want to put Ryan on. Yeah, I know. He used, Because that's what he did when he when he uh, set up his Google Voice account. He decided to use my area code for some yeah. reason. And I always have the I always have the chat on that side. So I don't see the full phone number. I just see the beginning, so that's why I have to ask. Yeah, mo- mo- most of the time it's most of the time it's me. I mean, if, if he's not in the chat room, then he's most likely not calling in. Yeah, I figured that. He probably didn't have uh, two paper cups and a wire to string together today to get through, but... Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure yeah, will. I know. That that can be a bitch when you don't have I that. I know. Tommy, last night I was uh, I was in Alex's uh, chat room on his show, and uh, yeah. he was there and Bob from Fighting Words Radio, who does All Hail Hair. Uh, uh-huh. he, as a matter of fact, last Friday, Bob interviewed uh, Jamie Lane from uh, Warrant, uh, oh, the original cool. singer. He actually had the new singer from Warrant on the week before, so he did like a double shot. He had him... Uh, uh, both the singers on back to back. Back to back. Oh. Cool. Yeah. So we were talking and and uh I don't know how it came up, but I was talking about oh he was talking about Mike Tyson and I told him, you know, when I used to work for cable T V I installed cable for Mike Tyson's uh in his apartment in the city. This was like in eighty five when he first started boxing and uh he was making a name for himself. I installed cable in his apartment. He, I remember giving me a fifty dollar tip. He didn't give it to me, like the people that worked for him gave it to me, you know. Mm-hmm. But that was a lot of money back in nineteen eighty five. I was just out of high school, you know, and uh I was working for uh, for the cable company over there while I was going to the cooking school, and uh, I remember that. So I was telling, I remember I had the Liberace had died I think a year or two after that. 
and I had to go pick up the box in his apartment. I remember hooking up cable and shares. I was talking about all the crazy stories. Like from, I said, I got so many crazy stories from when I used to work for cable. Right. I said, you know, I said, we could just make a whole show out of it one day. Like, you know, I think like, well, what was it? You can't type those stories down, you know, all the shit that I did when I was working for cable TV. Yeah, yeah. I said, in a matter of months, I dropped the customer out of a window. I said, I put a half apartment on fire, and I killed a dog. Yeah. And I was employee of the month probably right after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember you were saying, thank God for the union. All right, thank God to have a union is right. The stuff I did over there. Uh, now it's Time Warner Cable, but back then it was called Manhattan Cable. It was a privately owned company. Yeah, right. I just worked in Manhattan. I remember the first day they put me on a job. Their training is you go out with a guy for like a week, and he just makes you sit in the truck so he doesn't get a ticket in the parking spot. And he goes and he does everything, tells you what he did. Yeah. That was like the extent of the training. So I remember That's the good. First it's day easy. You, know, you get to sit in the car, relax. Yeah, but you know, you got to learn the job because eventually you're going to be on your own. Yeah. But the first yeah. day they put me out, they didn't have enough trucks back then for everybody. They used to have like a little like push cart. Yeah. You have to put your tools and cable in there. So they put me in a cart. They dropped me off in Manhattan, gave me a list of addresses to go to, like with the jobs to do. So the first job was like in a, like a five-story walk-up in Manhattan. There was no elevator. And I'm dragging this tool cut up all these stairs in the building. I get up there, and it's like an old lady in the chair. She's there with her son. Yeah. And so I was like, listen, my mother just wants to get rid of the cable you know, in the apartment. Uh, and just have everything cut off. I was like, okay, no problem. Because I'm going to the store, I'll be right back. You need anything? I says, no, no, I got it. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. So now I'm trying to get the cable box out, and I got like all the cable and the electrical wires like taped up together, and it's behind like this like you know 500 pound old cabinet. I can't move the cabinet. I'm trying to get the cable box out. I'm getting frustrated. So I said, you know what? Let me go under there. So I slide under the bottom of the the the, the wall unit, uh-huh. and I feel for the cable wire. So let me cut the cable wire. So I go to cut it, but they have the electrical cord taped to it. I didn't realize it. Yeah. So I cut through the electrical cord, and I, and the thing just blew, and it, and it sparked. And fire. this big flame shot out of it real quick, but the curtains <laughs> for the window were right there, and they were, like, old and dry, and the curtains caught on fire. Oh, so I come out from under there, and I'm wrapping up the cable box. I'm like... How does that smell? All of a sudden, I see the cable like on fire. This lady's like 80 years old. I'm in a panic. I run, down, I run past. I run down the stairs. The guy's walking back up with a quart of milk. He's like, "What happened?" He goes, oh, "The smoke." I go, "Your apartment's on fire. Get your mother out of there." <laughs> I left the old lady in the apartment in the wheelchair. I felt so horrible. But I was like, "Oh my god!" And that was my first day on my own at Manhattan Cable TV. I burnt down an apartment. Oh Jesus. Yeah, yeah, well, you know what? Like, a lot, a, a lot of the big cable companies took them over now. Like, I know you have Time Warner and Cablevision yeah. there, and uh, we have Comcast. So yeah, yeah, it's Time Warner now. But back then, uh, in New York City, each borough was run by a different cable company. And uh, like, we, I came from Brooklyn, like Tommy's still there, and we didn't even have cable back then. We didn't even have cable. Oh, really? Yeah, Brooklyn didn't even have cable. Cable didn't even come out until like the eighties, didn't it? It was around for a long time, but like you know, a while, yeah. Manhattan always had it, but like the outer boroughs didn't. And uh, we were in Brooklyn, and we didn't even have cable. You had you could get an an HBO antenna to play you just to get HBO, which was a private company back then, Mm -hmm. or 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 WHT, which was Wameco Home Theater. Right. And we, my uncle, I lived in a three-family house. My uncle had HBO, and we had WHT, so we'd go up and down like to watch, you know, whatever movies were between the two apartments when we uh, wanted to watch. That's all we had. Yeah. You know, there was nothing, and then uh, I think towards the late 80s, right before I, I got married and moved out, they had that wireless cable of New York came in, and you were able to get like 15 or 16, you know, like uh, cable channels. Yeah. It was like CNN and uh, MTV, uh, and they charged like like $12 a month back then. That was it, like $3 for a, a second TV. 
But that, we never really had like real cable until like, I guess until the mid '90s, probably right. Yeah, '92 in this in Bensonhurst. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a while. Right. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I I noticed the other day, Mike, you were posting. Uh, you and Ryan were going back and forth on his status on Facebook because he was a. I noticed you and him have this thing going like where whatever he'll post, you'll just go what. Oh yeah, I write down what, huh? What? Because most of what he writes is nonsense, so I just put that down to irritate him. Yeah, and then he'll come back, and then you post, and you had an interview coming up on the page, and then he goes, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> so it's like a back and yeah. forth thing. What I do you mean? Posters. He talks about like you know listening to Keisha and this country music. I'm like, thank God he hasn't put down that he's on Alex's show because nobody's gonna listen. I know. Because you know what he did. Because the other night, because it was either it was Wednesday night, I was running late, and I I wasn't gonna get back in time to do the show, so I I called them up and I said, you know, can you can you start the show and I should be back like, you know, by eight thirty the latest. So he 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 started the show and he uploaded he he uploaded one of her songs to my switchboard yeah and played it and played it during the show and I said oh god I, I oh, said. I said, you know what? I said I'm just gonna start giving him like a pre-programmed playlist whenever he takes over the show, and I'm just gonna say, you're I'm only surprised. allowed to play these six songs and don't play anything else. <laughs> I'm surprised that he was able to even get on the show that quickly. Don't they all share the electric down there in Arkansas? <laughs> <laughs> they gotta, don't they get like instead of appointment times to go from house to house? Who's gonna use the electric that day? <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to ask them. I think they, they got do. got the divining rods on the roof. So they're waiting for lightning to strike so they can power up the house that night. <laughs> you know why he can't call in? Because the other guy is up the, uh, up the uh, telephone pole <laughs> using the phone. <laughs> that was <laughs> <me>. <laughs> you remember Green Acres? Yep, yeah, Green Acres. Climb yep. the pole to answer the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Uh, that's exactly what it's like. <laughs> Yeah, he's a character. Oh, there's no doubt about it. He makes me laugh. You, 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 know, you know, Mike, I, I, I always have the ability to, to, to meet very interesting people, you know, if, if, yeah, if that's yeah, not evident. Yeah, definitely a nut magnet. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> it is. I mean, I mean between, between between Claire and, you know, and him, I mean. <laughs> yeah, and a few of the other uh, <laughs> regulars. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, you know what? We're we're all nutcases. I, I I'm I'm just about as sane as all the others. That's true. That's true. You have to be a little crazy these days to get by. No, yeah, it's the only way to cope with life. I know. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> Especially yeah. in this house. That's the whole. You know what? And that that's the whole. That's the whole thing uh, with uh, the escapism uh, through through doing a. Uh, you know the uh, the radio thing. You know, so yeah. we'll, well see me, what happens. Just uh, get out of my wife's hair for two hours a week. So other than that, no <laughs> the point. But, well, like, like do, you, do you have an enclosed section of the house like I do? Oh yeah, I got the whole. Uh, my garage was converted into a uh, a little studio, so I got my own little studio down here. Closed the door. Yeah, and I, and I and I and I use the basement. So yeah, and I power it up. You know, the old fashioned way. I turn the switch on, not like Ryan, and uh, and we get going. You know. Yeah, they got the generator down there. That's it. They got the generator side, siphoning off the moonshine, using the steam to get the electric going. I was <laughs> <laughs> uh, just having fun with you, Ryan. I like you. All right, how about yeah, we do a little course. music over here before we get too crazy? All right. 
that sounds good. All right. Well, like I said, so this is uh, the band Panther, which featured, I guess, the name Jeff Scott saw. This is a band he was in for a short period of time. Put out the one record, and that was kind of it. It was like a hit-and-run thing. But I enjoyed these guys back then. I believe this was from 1988. It's a song called Deliver the Axe.
started things out there with a little Panther featuring Jeff Scott Soto on vocals with Deliver the Axe. That riff was stolen from a Stillborn song from uh, 1987, so we did it a year before them. But uh, oh, really? I'm not gonna stick my yeah, I'm not gonna stick my lawyers on. Them. I'm gonna let that go. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's why I played that. I wanted to make sure, but uh, that's definitely an old uh, Stillborn riff. They must have had one of my demo tapes somewhere. It's a possibility. You never know. But uh, we followed that up with Zosa Meth, uh, a band that featured uh, Hank Sherman and Michael Denner on guitar. And that oh. album that was uh, The Crimson Idol. Oh, I'm sorry, no, The Crimson Moon. I'm thinking of uh, Wasp. Yeah, Crimson Idol and Wasp. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, that, that song is called The Crimson Moon. That was off the Visor of the Wasteland record. Uh-huh. Uh, when those two guys got together and put out that album, uh, that's what got King Diamond uh, kind of interested in doing Merciful Fate again. It wasn't long after that that... Zosa Mez was put to rest and Merciful Fate reunited, so oh, it led to something. Yeah, because if you listen to it, it sounds a lot like Fate. It does. Yeah, it's got that sound to it. You know, I guess, you know, they would get back into that vibe. And But I never thought any of the Merciful Fate stuff that came out after Don't Break the Oath was really that 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 good. There, it didn't really stand out to me. There were, there were a few good songs, you know. Yeah. Like on each record, you know, but... Yeah, just didn't uh, grab my attention. But that, that just seems to be with a lot of bands today. They're not putting anything out that kind of, you know... Grabs you, you know, yeah. you know, like no hooks that keep you in. But you know what? We got about a half hour left in the show. How about we do one more song and then okay. we start our year in review, which we're going to continue next week. Next week's whole show is going to be two hours of music. Uh, we're going to feature all the great new albums that came out this year by the classic 80s uh, old god of heavy metal. But there was just too many songs to get on, so maybe we'll do a few tonight to kick things off and uh, and we'll finish it up next week with what we have planned. Sounds good. Sounds good. Let me see. Let me see what I got lined up. You tell me what you want to hear. I'll give you a couple of songs. Let's see if I can find something a little obscure that a lot of people haven't heard of before. Let me see what I got. I got Wells Fargo. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Samurai people probably heard of. But I got Wells Fargo, Samurai, Riff Raff. Uh, and that's about it because they deleted everything. <laughs> they deleted everything else from me. Blog Talk Radio. I had a lot of good songs up here. They deleted them all. So what do you feel like hearing first? Riff Raff? Riff Raff, yeah. Riff Raff, okay. Sounds like they got that from ACDC, huh? A little bit. (laughs) All right. Here you go. This is better than me.
right, there you go. Some riffraff with Better Than Me. And the next 20 minutes, we're going to play a lot of the new, as much as we can of the new stuff that came out in 2010. And we'll kind of kick off uh, a little pre-show to our year review that's going to happen next weekend. So we remind everybody this Thursday on the Metal Matinee, it's the Merry Metal Christmas Extravaganza. Mm-hmm. We have special guest appearances by Jesus Christ, Santa Claus, and two elves from the North Pole. So we've got a big show lined up this Thursday. Everybody's going to be that. here in the studio. Check that uh, out. I have a lot of great guests here this weekend. Okay. All right, that's this Thursday at 1 o'clock. I think I dug up some pretty good uh, Christmas songs. I hate to play the same stuff. I I try to find different Christmas songs every year. It's not that easy. It's no, not easy, no. Heavy metal and hard rock Christmas. I don't want to keep playing the Twisted Sister album and, uh, you know, uh, the other ones that everybody keeps playing all the time. And everybody's like King Diamond, No Presents for Christmas. I know it's a great song, but everybody plays it. Yeah, well, so I think there's a limited I amount of tunes. There is, but I think I dug up a few that nobody's heard before or has, hasn't heard in probably 20 years, so that's pretty good. So that's don't forget, good. Thursday, 1 o'clock, we're going to celebrate Christmas in the heavy metal way. All right, T, how about we start our year in review? Okay. All right, how about we start with Halfa? That way it's an easy one. Okay. All right, Made of Metal, Halfa 4 came out, I think, back in September. We'll get a song off of that. What do you think of the album in general? Um, I'd give it like a 6 to a 7. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it didn't really bowl me over. It, it was very uh, unique in, um, you know, song. Um, I, you know, you expect a title made of metal, you know, to really jump out at you and you know yeah, grab it by the throat. And it was um, some of it was like kind of hard rock. I mean, the bluesy tune is a good. T- it's one of the better tunes, I think. Uh, you know, it kind of it kind of disappointed me. But um, I understand where you know where he was going at the time. He wanted to do something. I think he picked the wrong title for the album. Let's put it that way. But um, you know, like you said, in these days everything's downloaded, so I don't see it selling a lot. You know. No, yeah, it did. If I remember, I I, I don't want to quote it exactly, but I think the first week it said there were eighteen hundred sales, or maybe twenty eight hundred sales. I mean, you know, it's compared to like the eighties. You're not going to get those three, 400,000 sales in a week. Like It's just never going to happen for any band, no matter who it yeah, is, yeah. Uh, down the road. But, yeah, I felt the same way. I mean, you know, it's Rob Halford. It's the metal god. Rob Halford, excuse me, the metal god. So, uh, you know, he kind of gets a pass on a lot of things because, you know, he's as big as he is. But not exactly some of the best stuff. There's, no, there's me, nothing original there, in my opinion. Let me, add you, let me add something else. You think maybe this album came out because you figured, you know, hey, we're going to be writing some pre-songs. My juices will get flowing, and then all of a sudden, Glenn Tipton says, I don't want to do Priest anymore. You know, that could be, I mean... And now he's stuck, because, I mean, the album was already released, you know what I mean? It is what it is. Um, Maybe he said, you know, maybe I'm going to get a better contract now that, you know, Priest is is not uh, out there. I want to continue keeping that uh, pre-sound, uh, and maybe he just wanted to save the better songs for the next release. You know, that that could be. I mean, I don't know when the album was, like, worked on it being recorded. Yeah. Because uh, it came out in October. I mean, September, October, you know, in different parts of the, the world. But, you know, that's a good point. It could be, because I'm sure at that point he had to have had some idea. But then again, you know what? You wake up one day and say, I just don't want to do this no more, and that could be it. He might not have known. We had him on the show in October. Yeah. I remember Alex asking, like, you know, what was going on with Priest and the yeah, band. Exactly. Like, well, you know, we plan on getting out the next year and yeah, doing well, an album and playing, yeah. but 
he might not have known at the time either. It wasn't he, worth his attention. But he even told the the, the Godfather over there that uh, you know they were uh, interested in getting a tour done and writing a new album. Yeah, well, you know, and you know. I hope they do later, work on an album. I, I hope they because Nostradamus was kind of disappointing. Yeah. Uh, so it'd be nice if they can put you know really come back with something like the Scorpions did. And a lot of the other great bands today is that put out these killer albums, you know, especially yeah. one like to go out on. Exactly. I mean, just sit down about how long it takes, get the shit going, and put out some, you know, really good classic pre-sounding records, and give us one more good one for the road and, and a nice long tour, and and I think we'll all be happy. I guess only time will tell. But that getting back to the to the album, I think maybe he conserved a little bit and said, I don't want to release really good songs, uh, you know. Not, Real metal, you know. Kick I know what you're saying, yeah. Grab you by the by the throat, metal, because you figured, you know what? Let's let's see what's going on with the priest. You know, maybe there was an inclination of what was going on. Yeah. Um, I know. Um, uh, KK is working with. Uh, he produces a lot, and he's got a lot of bands under his uh, on his website. Um yeah. That he, you know, he worked with Violent Storm years ago. So, you know, maybe this band, you know, and the other guys. Uh, uh, Ian Hill, you know, he's, he's probably the older of the bunch. You yeah. know, maybe he doesn't want to tour anymore, you know. But I think it's Glenn's band now, you know, like since since House had left. Yeah. It's, it's been Glenn's band. So yeah. maybe Glenn's just tired of, of, you know, doing it, you know. It could be. It could be. It's a shame that all those years had to be wasted, you know, when they were apart. Yeah. Who knows how many great albums they could have put out. But sure. you know what? We did get a few good years of Priest back again before they call it a day. And Hey, you know, go out and catch him on tour this year. And like it says, maybe Halford, going forward, will t- pick up, you know, the total free sound on his albums now. Because oh, definitely, he'll be the only, he will. Definitely, uh, he will. He's the voice of the band, and, you know, he'll keep that going maybe. He's just got to surround himself with, uh, you know, some good songwriters and musicians, and uh, it should happen. Yeah. All right, so how about we do a little Fire and Ice off that record? Yeah, that is a good tune. All right, that's why we're going to play it. All right. All right, here you go. Brand new Halford, Fire and Ice.
that's what you were talking about. You know, that's the sound we expect from yeah. Bob Halford. We expected every song to have that power. Yeah, exactly. You know, but, but came uh, up a little short, but overall a good record, and uh, we'll see what the future holds. Maybe yep. 2011 we'll be playing some new priest. You never know. And yeah, maybe he'll do uh, some, uh, you know, different band, you know, different jams with different people too. Yeah, he's you got know, that there opportunity. Is, there are two fellas, uh, actually three fellas, if you want to look at it that way. There are three fellas still left in Black Sabbath. You know what? That wouldn't be a big combination. I like to see something like that happen. That really okay, wouldn't be a I big... mean, you know, it wouldn't be yeah. called Heaven and Hell. It might be called, you know. They might come up with a new name. Yeah, that would be that would be great to see something like that. You know, we'll have you know. to uh, put that out there, start that going. You know, yeah, we'll play with them before. Rumor. So start that rumor. That. I just heard that uh, Tony Iommi is writing songs with Rob Halford. You never yeah, know. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to spread that rumor. You never know. Let's get it started. Maybe. I know. Uh... Well, you know what? Talking <laughs> to Sabbath, uh, we got Bill Ward on the show in a couple of weeks in the middle of January. There you go. So maybe we'll bring it up to Bill Ward. Maybe he's got some inside information. That would be nice. All right. That was a little Eddie Trunk promo over there, getting the new year started. <laughs> All right. Well, let me see what we got up next here. Uh, next, we got a little excited. They just put out a brand new record uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, uh, It was the end of a really good record, uh, Death, uh, oh, excuse me. Death Machine. That's right. I just told you about it. I forgot myself. <laughs> I'm all boggled down over here in new albums, but excited with a great band out of Canada. They were tremendous back in the early 80s, a real heavy, powerful three-piece outfit. I saw those guys at Lamore's a couple of times when they came out with the original lineup. Yeah. Now, John Ricci is the only original member left in the band right now, the guitar player. Uh, but the guys that have been playing with him have been there for a while. you got Kenny Winter singing on vocals, a fellow Brooklynite. I sent Kenny a couple of messages on Facebook. He never got back to me. So uh might have to put them in the book, I think. I don't know. Well, maybe it's busy, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, we had Rob Clammy calling the bass player on about two years ago. Rob is a great guy, so we'll always support Exciter. Yeah, and uh, this is the second record in the last two years, so these guys, you know, really doing well with the albums, and they sound great, better than ever. I mean, totally, Kenny is a great singer. He's also yeah. singing for Fischl's Beast right now. We had uh, those guys on the show, too. Oh, really? Not too long back. Yeah, he's fronting them now, so uh, he's keeping the metal in Brooklyn, that guy, you know? Excellent. Beats that commute to Canada all the time for rehearsals, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of that's a lot of commuting time, but the new Exciter record to me is a killer album. Uh definitely in my top five for the year. Uh I really enjoy it. So let me see what I'm gonna get on for you. How about uh we do a little razor in your back? Mm. All right. Yeah. 
All right, that was brand new excited, raising your back. Man, they just get better and better, those guys. Yeah. yeah. Mouth got some voice. Yeah. Oh, man. You know what? I, I don't have anything else, I don't think, new, because everything was deleted. I thought I had more. Oh, wow. Yeah, let me just go give a quick uh, quick glance. You know what? I have the Mekon Delta, the brand new Mekon Delta on here. I could do that. I wasn't so crazy about it. I mean, I, I like these guys back in the early 80s when they were like a pure thrash band. Mm. But uh, they got back together a few years ago when they put out Lurking Fear in 2007. And that was a, a pretty good album. But this one uh, that came out in 2010 is called Wanderer on the Edge of Time. And uh, they kind of mix like uh, classical music. Where, like so like Virgin Steel, they put these it's like 20-something songs. They string like intros together with classical pieces and, you know, metal songs. and. Wow. It just, uh, you know, I mean, if you're a musician, I think you could appreciate this more because of the work that goes on in it. But, uh, you know, you'll get maybe two or three real hard rock or heavy metal songs mixed in a lot of, like, classical and, like, these interludes. And it's hard to describe. You really have to listen to it. There's more instrumentals than actually sung songs on here. But uh, I think I have, hopefully it's not one of the instrumentals. Let me see. No, okay. Well, yeah, it is. No, is it? No. Okay, yeah. Well, right. <laughs> so should I get that one on? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Because I, 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 everything I had was deleted. I just didn't have the time to put everything up again today. Wow. You know, so I, you know, I have it ready for next week, but I just couldn't do it today. I apologize. Sure. So maybe we'll do the, Nikon, uh, the new Mekon Delta. There's one called Apocalypse, World in Shards. This okay. one really isn't bad compared to the rest of the record, but, you know, let me know what you think.
That was brand new Mekon Delta World in Shards. What did you think of that one? I liked it. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Yeah, that one wasn't bad, but the rest of the island was kind of a mixed bag of nuts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. Well, we're down to the last 30 seconds. I want to thank everybody for listening tonight. Really appreciate it. Next week, we got the year in review. Don't forget to tune in. Two hours of all brand new heavy metal, which is something we don't do too often around here, so check it out. And uh, we got the Merry Mellow Christmas extravaganza this uh, Thursday at 1 o'clock. So I'll see everybody then. All right, buddy. It was nice hanging out with you again. All right, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. You got it. Take care, buddy. Good night, everyone. I'll see you next week.